Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Okay, let's just go ahead and jump on in to the message. I just want to share with you, so I'm from the 425. Bellevue's 425 too, right? Is that right? Well, I'm from the Maple Valley 425. That's also 425. So I was born and raised in Marysville. I was born at Everett General Hospital, raised in Marysville, moved to Covington, grew up there in a local church, and then had a stint in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and then we planted our church in Salt Lake City, Utah, nine years ago. We are just celebrating our ninth year right now, and so I love Seattle. I love Washington. (laughs) I'm sad because I can't participate in Seattle the same way I used to, but I love driving around here. I love the green. That little kid, that mom who shared that the kid's favorite color is green, I think my favorite color is green because I grew up in Seattle. And I had all the trees surrounding me, and I just loved it. So my family is uh, now in Utah. I think we have a picture. This is my family. This is Justice on the right side. He just turned 11. He's about to go into junior high, and I'm devastated. Uh, I keep praying for Jesus to come back before they turn teenagers, become teenagers. So we still have a little time because he's 11. But um, And then Eliana's in the middle. That's our three-year-old. And then Shiloh, she's actually with me today. Uh, She is nine going on 10 And she uh, is turning 10 at the end of this month. And so we just had a little bit of girl time together. And we're just really glad to be here with you. So, And then that's my husband, Jason. I guess I can introduce him, too. He's like, (laughs) we co-lead the well together. Um, So he's holding down the fort at home today. And I'm, I'm here with you. So super glad to be here. But before we jump in, can we just quickly pray for our message this morning? God, we just thank you for your word, Lord. We just thank you for your presence, Lord, that is so tangible here, God. We just ask that as we talk about rebuilding today, God, that you would do a work in our hearts, Lord, that you would help us to be open. God, would you speak through me, Lord Jesus? Would I step aside, Lord God, and you speak today and encourage your people in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I hear you're in a series called Rebuilding, and so after a year of difficulty, Don't know if you've been hanging around on planet Earth for very long, but it's been a tough year. Many of us have lost a lot this year, and we're in the process of rebuilding. We're rebuilding our families because maybe we spent too much time with them and done a little destruction on accident. You know, anybody, moms in the room where you're like, this was the hardest year to be a mother. I was around my children way too much. (laughs) I needed school, right? Nobody? Anybody else? Just me? Okay. (laughs) And then your friendships or just how to speak to people in general in the same room as you. We had to rebuild, like, how do we talk to each other? How do we hang out with each other? How do we do life together again? We're rebuilding our job, maybe. Or the, the list goes on and on and on of things that have been torn down this year, have been difficult, and that we are going to rebuild. And there is a promise to rebuild. That's the beautiful thing. God offers many moments in the Bible where we rebuild and he rebuilds his kingdom here on earth. So we're going to see in Nehemiah, 
That's where you guys have been sitting in the last few weeks. In Nehemiah 1, 1 through 3, it says this. During the month of Shizlev, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls the wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. So here Nehemiah is hearing about his people. He's hearing that there's destruction, that walls have been broken down, that gates have been burned. And Nehemiah is struggling. A lot of us have been in a different kind of exile in this last year. It's been a different kind of pain. But like Jerusalem, we've seen loss and we've seen things in our lives kind of shrivel up and burn up, right? But that loss has med, led many of us to losing this key gift that God has given us, which is joy. And I am believing today that we are going to rebuild joy in our lives. See, even Nehemiah, when he heard about this, we see in Nehemiah 2, verse 1 through 2, that during the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine, Nehemiah took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. Nehemiah had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to him, why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. So we see Nehemiah having heard about the destruction of his people's city. Sitting before the king, helping serve the king. And the king notices a disposition change. He notices that one person, this person who had never been sad before, had his joy robbed from him. It tells us that Nehemiah was likely a person full of joy, that the king, who really didn't have to care less about what his servant was doing, noticed a disposition change. And I think for many of us, we've been sitting in a different place where our disposition has changed, where we've kind of forgotten where our joy actually comes from and where truth comes from and where hope comes from. And so today I want to speak to you from the subject, rebuilding joy. See, it's important to begin with the basic realization that Jesus is the gap filler, the redemption to each of our stories. He is the eternal life provider and the rebuilder of the things that we have lost. In that understanding of hope, we then can realize that with the hope of Jesus, we can find ourselves as recipients of other gifts besides just hope. And one of those gifts is the gift of joy. Let's read in Luke 2, verse 8 through 12. It says this. This is the very beginning of the story of Jesus coming to earth, being born. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord... Um, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in the manger. The good news of our Jesus, the hope of the world, was wrapped up in a manger, and in that great news was the fulfillment of great, what? Joy. 
So there's a promise of joy in the gift that is Jesus. Just by him simply showing up on the scene, our lives would be changed forever and our joy would be great and it would be lasting. When I think of joy, as many of us do, I think of contentment, right? We often mix up joy with this idea of happiness. We're going to get into that being a little bit different. We think of contentment. We think of gladness. We think of safety. We think of resolve, like just the steadfastness, this ability to stand in the midst of any storm. We think of those things, and, and mostly we think of smiling and happiness and fun things, right, when we think of joy. So a couple months ago, it was last fall, our kids, we were driving to gymnastics um, for Shiloh, so I guess it probably would have been almost a year ago now, and uh, we're sitting in the car, and I look over to the strangest thing I had ever seen while driving, and there is a car next to us, and the guy in the car has a binky, a pacifier, that is for a baby, in his mouth. And he's just sucking on this binky. And we can't help but stare because it wasn't what you would normally see driving down the road and in a man's mouth. So, you know, I had a little uh, pass back to Psychology 101 with the Freudian. Like, have you, anybody been through Psychology 101 where you know the, that person might be stuck in the oral fixation, Freudian reality? <laughs> but I was sitting there just like saying, kids, look at this. He's wearing, he has a binky in his mouth. I've later found that this could have other addiction issues, but, uh, but at the meantime, I didn't know. So I'm looking over there just kind of like, okay, that's interesting. We start kind of giggling a little bit, and then we drive down the road and keep on moving on, and suddenly Shiloh just starts belly laughing from the back of the car. And I was like, what's going on? And she said, Mom, you said that guy literally. She was laughing at the word literally. Like, just belly laughing at the fact that I had said the word literally. Not any part of the actual story, just what I had said. And I thought, this is joy. This is what we kind of picture when we see childlike things. When we see kids just randomly laughing at the most ridiculous things. We realize, okay, they have something that's not easy for me to grab a hold of. And... It's often the simple and naive, childlike, hope-filled place of being that our joy can reside. And our children, those of you who have children or have been around children, our children seem to just be able to sit there, right, in that place of just joy and contentment. Why? Because they know who they are, and they know whose they are. They know that they're safe. They know that, that their parents have them. They know that they have boundaries and protection. And see, that's what God has gifted us and so in that gift, we also can have that kind of joy. In the middle of our trials, we can have the kind of joy that literally can sustain us, where we can just belly laugh at the most ridiculous thing. We can just know and stand in a place of peace, knowing that our God has already created a way for us. He's kept us in safe places. And that's the promise of joy. That is the gift that God has given us in and through Jesus. It's in his presence that we find great joy. Psalm 1611 says, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy. So where is our joy? It's in his presence. It's not in anything we can do. It's in his presence. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. We should experience abundant joy as a product of the hope we have found in Jesus Christ as our Savior. 
So often, however, the idea of joy is tainted by our experiences, right? It's tainted by the senses that we're engaging. It's tainted by our emotions and our lack of ability to have resolve. So I want to take a few minutes to speak to some truths that will help us rebuild the gift of joy in our lives. Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? Come on, I need to fill your, you're in here. Uh, (laughs) So the first one is this, in order to rebuild joy, we must realize that joy is sustained, it is not stained. Joy is sustained, it is not stained. The New Testament often speaks to the idea of joy in the midst of pain. In fact, that's where you'll find it most of the time, is these These disciples are speaking to joy in trials. We see this in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking absolutely nothing. Joy and the joy of a trial. Can you even imagine, like, rethinking our mind, reshifting our mind and our perspective to the idea of, like, I'm engaging joy in the middle of this trial. I'm choosing to believe God's goodness over this moment. I'm choosing to engage peace. I'm choosing to engage safety. I'm choosing to engage a knowledge that my God has me in the midst of this. And then guess what? When we do that, we then experience our faith being produced. We experience endurance and then in that full effect, effect, we become mature and complete, lacking nothing. So there's something about engaging the gift of joy that was given to us by Jesus that allows us to realize that our joy doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be stained. It can be sustained. It doesn't have to be stained in the midst of what we're going through. It can be sustained. Let's look at this story out of Acts. So the backstory to this is that In Acts 16, we see Paul and Silas who cast out a demon of a slave girl. And in doing that, the owners were a bit disappointed because they had been gaining money from this girl. And so when they cast out the demons from the slave girl, she couldn't produce what she was producing before for them. And so in that, they became angry. And we go into Acts 16, 22, where we read, the crowd joined in the attack against them. So now the people are coming against Paul and Silas, this is um, bumping around, so I'm going to put this down here. It keeps distracting me. (laughs) We see Paul and Silas, their clothes stripped off their back. They're ordered and beat, or um, sorry, clothes and ordered them to beat them with rods. Okay, so we're at verse 23. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. He thought he was in trouble. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're sitting here. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will, ha- you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke, to the, they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in the house. 
He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So there's a few things I want to expose that are seen here. The first thing that we see in Paul and Silas is that they are in the midst of incredible pain. Pain that you and I have not experienced unless you have been flogged or beaten. Anyone in the room? No, they had experienced incredible pain. They were flogged and beaten. And then the second thing we see is that in the midst of Paul and Silas's pain, they are praising God. In the midst of it, they don't focus on the pain, they focus on their God. The third thing we see is that because of their joy, because of their praise, that in the midst of their trial, they're actually freed. The great earthquake comes and sets them free. But the last thing we see is that in the midst of their joy and because of their joy, because their joy was sustained in the midst of that trial, other people's lives were changed forever. They found Jesus. They found truth. They found hope. It's in the midst of their trial that because they sustained their joy, people saw something different in them. The jailer saw, I need to know this God. Now, the earthquake was probably a huge part of realizing there's something much greater that I need to know out there. But the fact that actually Paul and Silas stayed in the room to minister to that jailer goes a long way to say that it didn't matter if the doors had been broken open. They weren't trying to escape. They knew that their person, their call, the reason that they were there and, and the reason that they stayed in a place of joy and praise was because ultimately they had to give glory to God and that that glory to God would ultimately change somebody's life forever. And so the reality is that people are watching what we are doing when we go through trial. They want to know how different your God is by how you respond to what your pain is. Because our people around us are sitting in pain all the time. And if they don't have the hope of the Lord, they are just sitting in their pain. They're getting further and deeper down into dark places. And the reality is, is that as Christ followers, our joy should be sustained, not stained. And so when it's sustained in the midst of our trials, people's lives can be changed just like it was with Paul and Silas. The second thing is this, in order to rebuild joy, we must realize that joy is a filling, not a feeling. Okay? In a world full of feelings, we are in a generation that puts our feelings before everything. In a world of feeling-based things and happiness is just sought out, right? We just seek out happiness. And happiness is so fleeting and temporal. We're constantly running around on our feelings. We have to realize that the joy that God has given us is not a feeling. It's a filling. It's a filling. So while I was preparing my message, I read this book called Rhythms of Renewal. And in that book, Rebecca Lyons, she shares about a... Um, an effect that science calculated called Blue Monday. So Blue Monday happens about the third Monday of January. You know, at the beginning of every year, we all go in pretty excited and ready for change, right? And we're like so anticipating all the things we're going to do. And then two weeks in, we kind of like fizzle out. And that leads to this thing, mostly happening in Seattle land, 
It actually says like the Northern Hemisphere. So it probably has a lot to do with weather. You have like this combination of weather and you have this combination of disappointment and this combination of I didn't do the things I felt like I was gonna do already this year, it's only the third week, right? And this leads to this like phenomenon that many people experience called Blue Monday. And it is considered the most depressing day of the year, the third Monday of every January. For many of us, we've been sitting in that place for too long. We've allowed Blue Monday to become Blue Tuesday and Blue Wednesday and Blue, and we are sitting in this place of really just struggling and deep despair and depression because things haven't gone as we thought they were going to go. I don't know about you, but 2020 I thought was going to be rocking. I thought it was going to be incredible. I was like, oh, turn of a century, turn of a decade, like it's going to be incredible. We're going to see so many good things, and we did see so many good things. You just had to look through all of the other things to find them. You know, it's a little bit harder to find. But good things happen. But the reality is for many of us, we have just struggled with some deep, deep, dark things. We've had to wrestle with, like, isolation and what isolation has produced and brought up in us. And the enemy, I believe, has just used this season to really just destroy, like we talked about at the beginning, But the reality is, is that when you know that your joy is a filling instead of a feeling, you don't have to experience Blue Monday or Tuesday or a blue year, right? But sometimes it takes some reminding. And that the reality is, is that we are given a huge gift in and through Jesus. And so I'm reminding you today that you've been given a gift in and through Jesus of joy, of hope, of a future. So no matter what happens in your life, that doesn't have to change. Acts 13, 52 says, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. This word here, filled, means, it is a uh, Greek word, which I shall not say to you. Uh, (laughs) It means to fill, to supply abundantly to impart richly, to imbue with. So it's something that just is in us and it's accessible and it is in abundance. That he is filled with joy, the people who follow him. See, we're caught up in this grand idea of happiness so often, but that is not what God has called us to. In fact, you rarely, if ever, and only in versions that are probably very Americanized will see the word happy in the Bible, because it's not the promise. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience good things, right? We all have many moments of happiness, the feeling of happiness, but God calls us to a different place. He calls us to a place of holiness. He calls us a place of following. He calls us to a different place, a richer place, an abundant place. He doesn't necessarily call us to just constant experience of happiness, And so that's been the deception of a generation that we're to chase happiness and that happiness equals joy when that's not the reality. The reality is that the joy given to us by God is a filling. See, it's also a fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and what? Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Joy is the middle of the fruit of the spirits. And the reality is, you can see here that the fruit of the spirit does not have anything tangible in it. There's no house in there. There's no job. There's no promise of good children. 
well-behaved kids who follow Jesus. We have to pray that in. <laughs> there's no, right? There's nothing tangible about this. There's no accolade. This is the fruit of the Spirit given to us by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those were exercised in your life every day, you would live in a place of happiness. You would live in a place of joy and a place of contentment and a place of not striving, right? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it should be found in us. It should be imbued within us. Our joy can be rebuilt by allowing the fruits of the Spirit to take root in us and making a conscious choice to let its truth and his truth ultimately fill us up instead of allowing our feelings to rule us. My last point is this. In order to rebuild joy, we must realize that joy desires participation, not passivity. Joy desires participation, not passivity. So while it's in us, we still have to ignite it a bit, okay? Let's go back to the story of Nehemiah. After rebuilding the wall and much of the city, we see this in Nehemiah 12, 27. It says, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sent for the Levites where they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing accompanied by cymbals, harps, and lyres. So you need to get out your cymbals and your harps and your lyres and participate in joyous dedication. <laughs> we need to be participants of joy, of igniting it and keeping it fresh within us. They celebrated with a joyous dedication. They participated in a joyful experience. They created a joyful experience out of their praise, just like Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas can look back and say, that was a joyful experience because in our praise, Jesus was made known. People came to him. People found him. John 15, 10 through 11 reminds us that we're to actively follow him. And when we do so, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Again, we're seeing the lacking nothing. Remember, we talked about that a little while ago, that in our joy, we find that we lack nothing. Again, the promise is that our joy can be made complete. And that is the gift in and through God. Joy asks us to participate. We need to follow Jesus. Our joy can't be based on situations, feelings, or surroundings. It is found and complete in and through Jesus. See, the danger of doing otherwise, Joyce, uh, J.M. Boyce says this. It is interesting that the characteristic mentioned first by Jesus is joy. Many of us would not naturally mention it, let alone put it first. We would point to love or holiness or true doctrine. But Jesus said, I am coming to thee, the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In John 17, 13. That most of us don't think joy of joy as a primary characteristic of the church indicates how little we regard it and how far we have moved from the spirit of the early church. The early church was a joyous assembly. See, the church as a whole, globally, we've been tempted to replace joy. We've been tempted to replace it with love, 
And while love is still right there with it, we've attempted to replace it. But it's to be the primary characteristic of the body of Christ. When you walk in these doors, we're to be a joyous assembly. We're to love gathering and being together. We're to produce life in ourselves and in each other by being joy-filled. It's why we don't just greet each other. We hug each other when we're allowed to, when we can, or we elbow each other. We come together, we smile, and we are present with each other. See, the church should be contagious with joy. When we walk in the room and everywhere else we go as the body of Christ, we should be contagious with joy. In the Old Testament, priests would walk around with bells on their, on their robes, and it would be a reminder of that the joy of the Lord was coming, that they were a reminder of the celebration of God. Rebuilt joy will be reflected as it was in Nehemiah with celebration and participation. I picture this old song from Sunday school about a lame man who was healed. It says this, it's called Silver and Gold Have I None. I'm not sure if any of you hung out in Sunday school. Any? Okay, we got a few. All right, all right. So Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none. So here we are at the tangible things, right? But such I have I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. How did he respond? Walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the reality is that we all have something to get up and walk and leave, leap and praise God for. There is something. Sometimes it seems very small, but it is there. And I believe that in order to rebuild joy, we have to start focusing on those things that we can celebrate, that we can get up and walk and leap about. It might be so practical as I made it through the day without yelling at my children, mamas, <laughs> okay? God gave me patience today. I still have a job today. I have food on my table today. It could be so simple, but we got to learn to be the kind of people who walk and leap and praise God in the midst of any situation and any circumstance. Even if we don't have what we want yet, even if we don't have access to the healing yet, even if he hasn't showed up yet, we walk and we leap and we praise God knowing it's coming. I will be made whole because we have promise of maturity. We have promise of wholeness. We have promise of complete and fulfilled joy. So I just want to encourage you today, church, if you've been in a place where you've just been so discouraged, just ignite the joy again, the gift that God has given you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah talks about that. And there is a promise of joy in him. Now, some of you in the room, you don't even know Jesus yet. And you're probably sitting here going, gosh, I, I hear what you're talking about, the despair. I hear what you're saying about not having hope. And I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and all together, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes. And I want to encourage you today, if you're saying, I'm, I need Jesus. I need this promise of hope and joy in my life. I need a different way because my way is no longer working. We're all going to say this prayer together. So if you just repeat after me, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I accept you as my Savior. Knowing without you this life has little purpose. 
knowing with you I have everything. I repent of my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Thank you for redeeming me and making me new. In Jesus' name, if you just leave your heads bowed. Today, I just want to recognize those of you who may have said yes to him. So we're all leaving our heads bowed, but I want to be praying for you and celebrating you. And we want to give you next steps. If you just quickly lift your hand today, if you said, hey, today I'm making Jesus my savior. I cannot do this anymore without him. I'm not even going to try. Would you just quickly raise your hand if you're in the room today? All right. Well, let's go ahead and keep our heads bowed. I'm going to pray for all the mamas in the room really quickly before I... Um, before we end. So God, right now, I just lift up all the mamas in the room. Lord, would you just give extra strength? Would you give extra grace, God? Lord, I, I would like to pray for patience, but I know in praying for patience, that means trials, but God, would you help us mamas, Lord? In the midst of the trial, God, in the midst of the difficult things about being a mother, God, in the midst of the fear of raising kids, Lord God, in a a hard season of life, God, would you just give peace that passes all understanding, God? Would you just bless and encourage, Lord God? Would you pour out an abundance of joy, God, in the mamas in the room today, God? We just praise you and thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time time.